Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahirabbil alamin. Wassalatu wassalamu ala sayyidil mursalin sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in amma ba'd. Most respected ulama ikram elders and brothers. As many of us are very well aware that we are currently in this year 1445 in the month of Muharram. And we will find that every year when this month of Muharram will come then details and lessons are discussed regarding one of the greatest incidents to ever occur in the history of Islam and that is the hijra and the migration of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the sahaba radiyallahu anhum ajma'in from Makkah Mukarramah to Madinah Munawwarah in Makkah Sharif the conditions were very very difficult for the muslims where they could not even preach nabi ali sallam couldn't even preach properly they couldn't lead an islamic life properly in makkah sharif they had to even meet up in secrecy and whatever they needed to do even their salah also that used to be done in secrecy but we will find that with the advent of the hijra then now an entire islamic government came into being an entire islamic state was formed where now adhan could be called out freely salah could be performed and an entire way of life could be led by the sahaba radiyallahu anhum and nabi ali salatu wasalam without any worry of anyone attacking them or any harm coming to them nevertheless when sahaba radiyallahu anhum and nabi ali salatu wasalam had now settled in madina sharif then we find that it was the habit of nabi ali salatu wasalam that every now and then he would take as we would say like a survey or an assessment of the sahaba radiyallahu anhum just to see how many sahaba radiyallahu anhum they were in madina sharif so the first time nabi ali sallallahu alaihi had taken this assessment the sahaba radiyallahu anhum were 500 in number on the second occasion when nabi ali sallallahu alaihi had taken another assessment Then the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum was 700 and in the fourth or the fifth year Hijri when Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam had taken a third survey or a third assessment then we find that the Sahaba radiyallahu anhum had reached a number of 1500 so they were now 1500 Sahaba radiyallahu anhum in Madina Sharif apart from the few that may have been in Makkah Sharif and maybe Abyssinia and wherever they were settled but this was the amount of muslims that they were in the world approximately 1500 when the sahaba radiyallahu anhum came to know that we are 1500 they became so elated and they became so happy that they began to even mention amongst themselves that now whichever army we are faced with from whichever part of the world also we will never ever be defeated in battle because of the lack of our numbers there was always that fear on one hand was the mushrikeen of makkah sharif who came again and again via the battle of badr the battle of uhud and then on the outskirts of madina munawwara was all the jewish tribes the banu quraiza the banu nazir banu qainuqa and from these tribes there were those that were very very hostile to the muslims they had broken their pact and their agreement with the muslims and they had eventually joined ties with the mushrikeen of makkah in order to wipe islam out so there was always this fear of attack 
But when the Sahaba radiallahu anhum came to know that we are 1,500, now no one will be able to defeat us. If we have to look at it, Sahaba radiallahu anhum, there are 1,500 of them in Medina Sharif. And compare that to the rest of the world. The so-called superpowers at that time, the, the Romans and the Persians, they numbered their armies alone were in the hundreds of thousands. And then the different regions and the different parts of the world, we would say 1,500, they are just maybe like a drop in the ocean. And in fact, when Sahaba radiallahu anhum, when they came with a message of Islam to the so-called superpowers of the time, then firstly, if we see what background Sahaba radiallahu anhum are coming from, in the words of Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu, he mentions that we, the Arab nation, we were the worst of nations in the entire world. This was the reputation that we had, the Arab nation. Obviously, Islam had changed that. But coming from that background to the most civilized of countries, the Romans and the Persians, who were known to have the most civilized ways of life, and coming and teaching them about Islam, we can imagine how the Sahaba radiallahu anhum must have been mocked at, how they were laughed at, that you are the Arab nation, you have a reputation on you, and you want to come and teach us how to lead a life. And when the Sahaba radiallahu anhum went back, and they began to pre prepare for jihad and war against these people, then they laughed even harder and even louder. That you hardly have anything. What armies do you have? And look at what we have at our disposal. The mighty armies that we have, our state-of-the-art weapons that we have, and you want to come and face the Persians and the Roman, our armies. One drop in the ocean, but what they didn't realize was that one drop of Sahaba radiallahu anhum, when they came from Medina Munawwara, they came as a fully-fledged storm. And they came like a fully full-on tsunami. And they wiped the armies and the soldiers of the Persian and the Romans out to such an extent that in the words of one of our very, very great Akabirin, Hazrat Mawlana Abdul Haqsab, Umarji Rahmatullah if we sit with our elders, they will teach us who Hazrat Mawlana was. He mentions, just like how a child will sit and he will play with his toys, he will put one toy on this side and he will put one toy on that side. And then he will bring it crushing down also. He will pick up another piece there. He says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had blessed the Sahaba radiallahu anhum with such rob and such awe that they were playing with the soldiers of the Persians and the Romans just like how a child will play with his toys. Obviously, this was at a time when the Sahaba radiallahu anhum had increased in number. But can we imagine... They were just 1,500 and they are prepared to take on the world. Today, in 2023, we are probably in an excess of 2 billion Muslims across the world. With everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with, all our resources, the so-called Muslim countries, soldiers, everything we have, and we have become the playground of the Christian armies and the Jewish masterminds behind it all. What was there that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had blessed Sahaba radiallahu anhum with? That despite having nothing, they had nothing of the dunya, but they had everything, they had their izzat, they had their honor and glory.
And today, despite us having everything, we are still left with nothing. When we look at the lives of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'in, then we will notice that indeed they had nothing. They didn't have the mightiest of armies and the state of the art weapons, etc. But they were blessed with one divine weapon with which they were very, very well equipped. Wherever they went, whatever condition they, had, they, they were in, whatever situation they were faced with, wherever they traveled, whether it was for the sake of business, whether it was for the sake of leisure and pleasure, or whether it was to settle down in another country altogether, they clung dearly to the sunnah tariqah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa All those morals and those values that Nabi alayhi salatu had instilled within them, the ta'aleem and the teachings of Nabi alayhi salatu they took everything what they learned from Nabi alayhi salatu and they stood firm on that, on the sunnah of Nabi alayhi salatu Unfortunately, my respected elders and brothers, today we will go to some holiday destination and leave alone the sunnah of Nabi wasalam, already the faraiz is compromised. We go to some public area and we are feeling shy to lay our musalla down and perform our salah. We are worried about what this person will say and what the onlookers will say if we make jamaat salah. Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they never had this inferiority complex with them. They were proud Muslims, they were proud ummatis, and they were proud of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When Hazrat Huzaifa bin Yaman and Hazrat Rabi bin Amir radiallahu anhumah, when these two sahaba radiallahu anhum were sent in an envoy to the Persian empire, to the Persian king, to discuss terms and conditions before engaging in battle. Now firstly we learn that the sahaba radiallahu anhum, they were very very simple people. Everything about them was simple. Their appearance, the clothes that they wore, their entire way of life was simple. And this was the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa to live simply. So they had traveled from Medina Sharif all the way to the Persian palace. And by the time they came to the gates of that palace, they were tired, they were weary, their hair disheveled, clothes soiled and untidy also. So the guard behind the gates, dressed in their finery and their armor, whatever it was, he looks at them and he mentions to them that you cannot go in the presence of our king dressed like how you are now. With these clothes, this clothing on your body, you cannot go in front of him. We will provide for you special clothing, the royal robes. You will wear those clothing, that clothing, and then you will go in the presence of our king. Because if you go how you are dressed like this, then it is a form of disgrace and dishonor to our king. Hazrat Huzaifa radiallahu anhu walked up to that gate and he mentions to that guard that this clothing that you are referring to, this is the clothing of our king and this is how our Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam has instructed us to dress. And these are the clothing we will go and we will meet your king with. If your king is not happy to meet us with these clothing on our, on our backs, on our bodies, then there is no compromise. We are not prepared to compromise on the sunnah of our Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. In other words, if he's not going to meet us now, then we will meet on the battlefield. Now, something that we might take so trivial and so insignificant. What we will say, maybe you need to compromise here, compromise there. You lose the battle, you win the war. 
But Sahaba radiallahu anhum, there was no compromise upon the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Had we been in that situation, we will jump to the opportunity of trying on royal clothes and some rich, rich robes. And how, how we get just carried away with the glitter and the glamour of the dunya. Some sports car, some fancy car is there on the road and now we want to take pictures of it. We want to take a selfie also. And then we want to post it on social media. Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they stood firm on the ta'aleem and the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That was all that mattered to them. Uzifa radiallahu anhu made it very, very clear that we are not going to compromise. So they send a message in to the king and as they are waiting for the reply, Hazrat Rabi radiallahu anhu, he takes out his sword. Now as mentioned, Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they were very, very simple people. They hardly had anything of the dunya. Even their weapons also, they didn't have too many. And even whatever they had, it wasn't in the best of conditions. That handle of that sword was a bit loose from the blade. He had a leather strap tied onto that handle. So he began to secure that handle more tightly, tighter onto that blade, from the handle onto the blade. He began to tie it a bit tighter, tighter. And the guard behind the gate, he scoffed at him. And he mentions to him that you want to come with these type of weapons. This type of weapons... And you want to come and face the Persian Empire, the Persian army? Do you know what we have at our disposal? Our mighty armies and what, what strength they have. And our weapon state of the art also. This type of sword and that type of shield. And you want to come and face us? Hazrat Rabi radiallahu anhu mentions to that guard that this is the sword. We have saw, you have seen the sword no doubt. But you haven't seen the hand behind that sword. And he mentions to that guard that go and bring your, most, your strongest of weapons or your strongest of shields, your most solid of shields also. And you will see what will happen to that shield also. So these guards, they thought Sahaba radiallahu anhum were all talk. They had some shields that were imported from a different country, a different area. It was known to be a very, very strong, a very solid shield, maybe like an unbreakable shield. It was layered with different layers of some special type of, 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 of steel. And they go and they bring that, that shield. And they hold it up for Hazrat Rabi radiallahu anhu. Hazrat Rabi radiallahu anhu takes his sword and taking the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he brings his sword crushing down onto that shield. With the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that entire shield cracked, it broke into bits and pieces and it fell to the ground. This was something that shocked everyone around them. All the guards. Such a solid shield. One strike, one blow, and the entire shield is cracked into bits and pieces. So they send the message in to the king also. The king also is surprised. Those shields so expensive. What the type of shield that was? Send them inside. So the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they come inside the palace. And as was the norm at that time, where the king's guests, before engaging with the king, then the guests are invited to partake of some refreshments. So the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they were also invited, they were brought into the dining hall. And Hazrat Huzaifa radiallahu anhu, as he was sitting and he was eating that food, that refreshments, it so happened that one small particle had fallen from his hand and it fell onto the ground. 
Look at the instant reaction. Not worried about what other people will say. What they think, what they will say, that doesn't matter to us. That in-grounded, well-rooted sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in their lives, it just fell down and immediately he bent down to pick it up. The person next to him, he nudged him and he mentions to him that you are in the king, the, 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 the company or in the, amongst the king's men and his, his people. They are watching your every move. They are observing what kind of people you are. It doesn't look good that you have an entire dastar khan or an entire table that is laid with the best of refreshments. And you are going to worry about one small particle that has fallen to the ground. The riwayat mentions Faghadiba. As Huzifa radiallahu anhu, he became angry. He bent all the way down. He picked up that morsel or that particle of food. He, in full view of everyone, he dusted it, he blew it. He put it in his mouth and after swallowing it, he turned to that person and he mentions to him, You want me to leave the sunnat and the ta'aleem and the teachings of my beloved Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam just on the fear of being embarrassed in front of these foolish people? If you have to look up the meaning of humaqa, in our terms, it will mean these idiots. I have gold by me. I have the most valuable of treasures by me. The sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You want me to discard gold and pick up the filth and the muck of this dunya? This is how they viewed the, other, the, nation, the, the, the lives of the other nation. Any other custom, any other way of life, that was away or apart from the sunnah way of life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was something that was viewed like filth to them. It was something they couldn't understand. That we got gold and they, were, they are striving behind all that. Nevertheless, after the, they had partook of that refreshments, they were now summoned inside the king's chambers. And everyone that is coming in, they are all bowing in front of the king and they are coming into that room. Sahaba radiallahu anhum walked in without bowing. We don't bow to anyone, we only bow to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't even bow down to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Who is that king that we must bow down to him? It was never like we need to go with the flow, or we are being impolite, or it might seem rude to the onlookers. In today's times, we will say that we are being impolite if we don't speak to that lady, if we don't shake her hands when she, when she spreads her hand also, if we don't look at her when we are speaking, we are worried about what everyone will, what everyone will say and what everyone is thinking. Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they didn't worry about what that person will think, or what that king will, will, will think and what he will say, and we are being impolite and we are being rude, etc. What Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa will say, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, that was their focus. That was their nazar of their tawajju. So he comes in, they come into that chamber, that room of the king, and they find that everyone is standing and the king is sitting on his throne. So Hazrat Huzifa radiallahu anhu, he went up to the translator and he asked him that, what is the reason that everyone is standing and your king is sitting? Now let us just think, just ponder and reflect. How Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam had molded the minds of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. 
Had we been there, we can understand why they're standing in front of the king. But they just had that one train of thought that the ta'aleem of Nabi they were not exposed to any other culture, any other way of life apart from the sunnah way of life of Rasulullah Their thinking patterns, their way of life, everything was in accordance to how Nabi had taught them. So that person, the mutarjim, the translator, he mentions to us, Huzaifa radiallahu anhu, that this is out of respect for our king. Whenever we are in his company, then he will sit, but we will stand out of respect for him. Hazrat Huzaifa radiallahu anhu mentions to that translator, and he says that this is not the way that our Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam has taught us. When Nabi alayhi salatu wasallam sat, everyone sat. When he stood, everyone stood up. When he walked, at times it will be difficult to differentiate who Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was amongst that entire crowd of Sahaba radiallahu anhum. There was no special treatment or some speciality that was given to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He was like an ordinary person. Huzaifa radiallahu anhu mentions to that mutarajim, to the translator, that this is not what our Nabi alayhi salatu wasallam has taught us. You tell your king, that it is either we are going to sit like how he is sitting or your king must stand up like how we are standing. Imagine in their country, in their territory, in their palace, surrounded by their armed guards, their armies, their soldiers and their men, but upholding the sunnah tariqah of Rasulullah We've got nothing to do with any other way of life. We are not interested in your way of life. We are not interested in the way you do things. If we want to do, if, if we want to have some discussion, then we, do, we will do it according to the sunnah tariqah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. My respected elders and brothers, we are in this month of Muharram and we will find that the greatest lesson we learn from this month of Muharram is the same lesson. To shun the way of life of the West and the, the enemies of Islam and to adopt the sunnah culture, the sunnah tariqah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When Nabi alayhi salatu wa salam had come to Medina Sharif and when he came to that fast of Ashura, we know very well that he mentioned that the Jews are fasting on the 10th and we are also fasting. There must be some differentiating factor between us and between them. We are fasting, we are fasting for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But there must be some difference between us and between them. He was so particular that we, are, we will fast on two days instead of one day. When it came to Seri also, we will find that Nabi Ali Salatu had encouraged the Ummah to wake up for Seri. The barakat you will get, the divine barakah, you will get the duas of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because the Jews, they used to fast without Seri. So there must be some, some difference between us and between them. When it comes to Iftar also, the Jews would break fast, they break their fast when the moon comes out, when the stars come out. Nabi Ali Salatu had encouraged the Ummah that you break your fast immediately upon sunset. Why? Again, there must be some difference between us as Muslims and between them. In Ibadah, imagine, Nabi Ali Salatu was so particular, so particular. If you have to look at the entire life of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, all his ta'aleem, his teachings, those morals and values that he had instilled within Sahaba Radiallahu Anhum, then we will notice that his entire life, he had tried to mold an ummah that will be unique. They will do everything at our own standards. We will do everything in our own way. When Nabi Ali Salatu had come to Medina Sharif, then when he would comb his hair, 
he would keep the side path. But after a while, he began to keep the middle path because the Jews were keeping side path. Now obviously, no alim, no mufti will tell us it is impermissible to keep the side path. But imagine how particular Nabi was. Something that we would say, the topi is covering it, or it is behind the amama and the turban, no one can see it. But Nabi wanted to have nothing to do with any other culture, any other nation. Even when he came to our garments also, Nabi had encouraged us, we as Muslims, we keep our garments above our ankles. One of our senior ulama ikram, he always mentions that when the kuffar will tell us to keep our pants above our knees, then very, very quickly we will listen. Whether we are going to play some game or whether we are going for a swim or doing exercise, or even we will get a youngster on the street, not even a youngster, but we are now exposing our satar in front of the entire world, in front of the, the public. A style or a way that we are not even supposed to wear our pants in our own homes also. We are exposing that satar to the public. We are getting the lanat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The lanat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the malaika. So he mentions when the kuffar will tell us to keep our, our, our pants above our knees, then very, very quickly we will listen. But when Nabi alayhi salatu will tell us to keep our trousers, our garments above our ankles, then we will come up with all type of excuses. That I'm not doing it out of pride. Don't be judgmental. It doesn't refer to nowadays, etc., etc. My respected elders and brothers, when we think back and we just look at the lifestyle that we are leading, then we will think of also another elder who has mentioned that we have drifted so far off the sunnah that we cannot, we cannot even see the shoreline of the sunnah. And he used to mention that everything that the West are vomiting it out, they are spewing it out. We as the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa very quickly we are going and we are licking and lapping it up. Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu mentions, Kunna ahqaran nas wa adhallan nas wa aqallan nas. That we, the Arab nation, we were the worst of nations. We were the most insignificant, the most disgraced of nations. And this was the reputation that we had in the entire world, to be the worst. Allahu bil Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had blessed us with izzat, with dignity, with honor and glory through Islam and through following the, the footsteps and the way of life shown to us by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And thereafter Umar radiallahu mentions, فَمَهْمَا تَتْلُبُ الْعِزَّةِ بِغَيْرِهِ If we want to seek this izzat and little bit dignity and honor in any other way of life, we want to look like this person, we want to emulate that person, we want to have that type of hairstyle and we want to have that type of t-shirt with this certain person's name on it or that certain emblem on it and we want to live an entire life like that. In between we are just slotting Islam, some Jummah namazes here, some Salah there, Zakat we are giving and then in the month of Ramadan we are fasting. But our entire way of life is in accordance to the enemies of Islam. Then Hazrat Umar radiallahu mentions, Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will disgrace us. He will bring disgrace and dishonor to the ummah. And we see what is not happening to the ummah today. Our izzat, our honor and glory lies in following the sunnah tariqah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And sunnah doesn't only mean how we dress or how we keep our hairstyle or how we appear, our appearance. But sunnah is an entire way of life. 
how we eat, how we sleep, how we even relieve ourselves also. There's a sunnah method of doing it. How we treat others, how we will treat our parents, how we will treat our wives, our children, how we will treat our employees, those that are under us in our businesses, the helpers at home. How we face, when faced with different situations, how we react to it. Especially when we are faced with situations that are against our tabiat, against our nature. What is our reaction? What is the sunnat method of reacting? Right down to our day-to-day -day activities or actions of even wearing our clothes, putting on our shoes, giving something, how we receive something, how we pay our nails, how we trim our, our hair. Every action of our day-to-day -day duties, day-to-day -day activities, there is some ta'aleem and teaching of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam how he did it or how he had encouraged the ummah to do it. We are involved in all these actions. All we have to do is bring it in alignment with the sunnah, tariqah and with the ta'aleem and the teachings of Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. We make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala make us true ummatis of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Allah ta'ala grant us the, the ability and the tawfiq of implementing as many, many sunnahs in our lives. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا عَنِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ